Welcome to Telltales, an investing podcast hosted by Hunt Lawrence, Jason Wallace, and Mike Nicoletti. Each week, we discuss topics ranging from geopolitics and macroeconomics to energy and technology. You can sign up for our newsletter at telltales.us. That's T-E-L-L-T-A-L-E-S dot U-S for additional data and content you can use to follow along. The following conversation is intended for informational purposes only. You should always do your own work to determine if an investment is suitable for you. So for those of you that don't already get the newsletter, you can go to telltales.us and subscribe to the, the newsletter that we send out, which includes the memo that we've been updating every week. I think it's 3.30. I think we can start it. I'm going to cover oil and gas pretty quickly. We need weather for the gas price. Here's an interesting statistic. The total demand and supply of gas in our economy is around, on an annualized basis, around $100 billion a day. In January, residential commercial, which is weather, demand was off from last year by 10 Bs a day. So it's not a surprise that gas is current month is currently trading for 270 or something like that. You just need weather now. I can tell you from years and years and years of being in the heating oil business, the best predictor of cold weather is warm weather. So hopefully that will average out. We'll get a decent weather month in February and and March, and hopefully that will help the gas market. I think the other thing that's happened is associated gas from the Permian, because the Waha price, which is the West Texas hub, has been very, very low relative to Houston Ship Channel or Henry Hub. I think some of that is pipeline compression being down and stuff like that, but hopefully that gets better. The other source of new gas is the Hainesville, which is very deep and difficult drilling. I think Hainesville rates will start to be dropped at these kinds of gas prices. So I think this thing will fix itself. I, 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 you know, a lot of people say it'll fix itself by midway through 24. I'm thinking that it might fix itself by the fall of 23. That may be optimistic, but the gas stocks, EQT, Antero, Chesapeake, the, the ones that are we have outlined here, have gone down way less than the commodity has. But the out years, like 24, 25, and 26, have come down, but not as much as the near month has come down. But, you know, will you see those stocks super? I think so. But will you want to sell one of them that you're you're already in? No, I don't think so. If you wanted to add to those, this is page 12. You know, I wouldn't buy them today. I'd, I'd wait and see if maybe the stock prices settle down a little. On oil pricing, pretty good. The one thing to keep in mind is a ceasefire in Ukraine would, you know, oil would definitely gap down. Even though the sanctions on Russia don't seem to be making that much difference in the amount they produce, it's just the oil has to go to India or China or someplace. So it's been good for shipping companies because it's more or tonnage is needed. On macro stuff, we have a structural problem here in the U.S. in that we accumulated this $31 trillion of debt, and there's no way to really deal with it, in my opinion. Non-defense discretionary spending is you know, something, $950 billion or something, Thirty-one trillion, one percent up is three hundred and ten billion. I mean, you know, unless you think that we'll go back to where there's negative interest rates, negative interest rates, in other words, the inflation rate, adjusted for the inflation rate, you know, 
interest rates are in minus. I mean, over the last 50 years or so or more, real interest rates, in other words, the interest rate after taking out inflation have been around 2%. People are calling for that to be 1.5%. So, you know, we, 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 I don't, I don't see how you plan federal government spending when the a 1% increase, uh, which takes a while to work through the system, takes a third of your, you know, an increase takes a third of your discretionary budget. I mean, how could you, you know, how could any of us plan our households that way? How could you run a business that way? I don't know how that gets resolved, but, you know, I, it's just something to keep our eye on. Last week, I think we've gotten through uh, page eight, what we were asking ourselves is who is going to have a better 23 measured by free cash flow than a 22. And I think the last page we did was, well, I know we did page seven, is MasterCard, Visa, and PayPal. And I think we concluded that MasterCard and Visa are such a strong position that we really think their free cash flow billion for uh, MasterCard, $16 billion for Visa would, would be up in 23. So we had two companies where we thought they'd be up free cash flow. The page before that, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, we thought maybe T-Mobile would take some market share, but AT&T and Verizon are both kind of challenged. I think that's what we thought about Comcast and Charter. I forget what we said about Netflix. Maybe Netflix will be higher, not Amazon. The chip stocks we thought would generally be lower, and that gets us page eight, which is the retailers. I believe that um, that Lowe's and Home Depot pretty much carbon copies with each other. Lowe's free cash flow is around twelve, and Home Depot's free cash flow is twenty-three. So Lowe's about half the size. I I would expect each of those would be about flat. Target has all kinds of issues running off inventory that, that that they had that wasn't really going to work. Walmart, you know, it's $600 billion, only $5 billion of free cash flow. I think it's explicit Mike and Jason's opinion. I, I'm i just amazed that their free cash flow is so low. I think their CapEx is probably high because they're competing with Amazon for being able to deliver their things that people order digitally all over the Internet. Uh, I'm, I don't know what Mike and Jason will say, but I'm, I'm going to guess that Walmart will have somewhat higher free cash flow in 23 than they had in 22. But over to over to over to you, Mike, to see see what you think there. Yeah, we we came to similar conclusions. I, I kind of expect Walmart will be about flat, probably a little bit better. Yeah, Jason, any comments there? Yeah, we we were looking at the capex as well, looking at it and, and thinking it was a little high, wondering what they're spending their money on, came to the conclusion competing with Amazon was expensive as well. But it, into last quarter, the, the CapEx was still accelerating. Yeah. The next page, page nine, Exxon, Chevron, and Conoco. I can't imagine that the free cash flow isn't going to be lower for each of these companies. Exxon at 65 billion, boo, even with Microsoft, you know, with Apple up at 90. Chevron, you hear Chevron is better than Exxon, but it's, it's really just pretty similar results, just it's about two thirds of the size. 
Conoco is nowhere near as large as they are, 20, you know, $19 billion of free cash flow. And Conoco, of course, divested or spun out its refining. So it, it is just pure upstream. Now, could, could the stocks go up? Uh, even though the free cash flow is down, you can see the equity value times free cash flow at seven times, seven and a half times, and 8.9 times. It, it might be that the stocks will be somewhat higher, but the free cash flow will be lower and, and have the, you know, have a little, a little lower free cash yield. Jason, any comment on, on that? It's, it's like me trying to comment on, uh, GPUs where uh, I, I mean, I'd be expert. Kind of fun. I'm the expert on energy, and uh, asking Jason to comment uh, when Jason might ask me to comment on tech stuff, I wouldn't know what to say. But over to you, Jason. Do you, <laughs> exactly. Do you think of these and, yeah. Yeah. yeah that, it's it's extraordinary how much uh, how profitable these these businesses are this year. Yeah, at lower gas prices and somewhat, I believe oil prices will be somewhat lower in 23. I. I think I, I just can't imagine Exxon will do 65 billion of free cash flow again. On the pipeline page, on page 10, these companies have the reputation of being less susceptible to commodity pricing. I don't know. I'm I'm a bit of a skeptic. I I do think that <clears throat> the middle one, enterprise, has a little better chance. Now <clears throat> that's a sliding free cash flow because they made a three billion dollar acquisition. So. I don't think they'll do another acquisition. So, at at six billion, would they be a little higher? Than six billion, maybe. Energy transfer, somewhat larger, not anywhere near as well run. Would that be somewhat higher than eight billion, maybe? Hinder mostly gas pipeline, but mostly regulated, so they they don't shouldn't have too much commodity exposure. Higher than three and a half, maybe, but. The problem with these companies is when you take out the capex that's needed to maintain their business and you take out the dividends, as you can see, the cash flow doesn't give you too much money to pay down debt. So they're kind of disadvantaged that way, I think. The next page is EOG, Magnolia, and Permian Resources. Permian Resources is a new company that's formed by the merger of a private company, Colgate, into a public company had been not that successful called Centennial. But we do really don't have a comparison of past numbers. And frankly, at seven more than seven and a half times, looks like expensive enterprise purchase free cash flow. But it is it Colgate was built up from practically nothing. So the Colgate management is running it. So I thought it it, it you know, there are plenty of other companies that should have been the third company on this page. I thought Permian Resources was likely that the remarkable thing about EOT and Magnolia is is that <clears throat> look at their capex relative to their relative to their cash flow. You know, it's just remarkable. And, and then look at the increase in production. So they're spending way less than half their cash flow, and EOT had an eight percent increase in its production, and Magnolia had ten percent. So. Those are those are very strong numbers. Are they worth more than, you know? I, I you know, they'll, all all three of them will hit get hit by West Texas gas pricing. It's just gas prices being lower. I think oil prices will be somewhat lower. But could the stocks be higher at the end of the year because, you know, people decide that, you know, 
15% free cash yield is too high? Possible. We'll maintain the pattern. Matt. It's your turn, Jason, to comment on the oil company. Uh, I've got a question on this one, though, in case you jump in, Jason. I just wanted to get this oh, in. Okay. Um, I, Magnolia, I've actually read their quarterlies, probably going back a couple of years now, and obviously the CEO passed away. I don't know if you had any thoughts about the transition in management and, and whatnot there. Yeah, the discipline that that guy brought to it is going to be missed. His CFO, all the way from Oxy days, is the new CEO. I would think the discipline would remain. Where they're drilling is goes off very quickly. It's chalk. I just happened to notice in a Platts article that, that they they were they adjusted their fourth quarter production forecast down a little. I don't know. It's a remarkable performance. This, by the way, it's interesting. This came from a SPAC, TPG SPAC. So uh, it was, you know, had lots of promote for TPG and the management. And of course, SPACs all are designed to trade for 10, but here's one trading at, you know, over two times the SPAC price. So uh, SPACs have a bad name, but I know you did come out of a SPAC. The next page are the gas companies. All these companies are swearing off hedging. They still have a little bit of hedging, but they're going to be hurt by lower gas prices. Their balance sheets are in great shape. EQT's debt is a little high, but it's pretty acquisitive. Their free cash flow, you know, around $2 billion for Antero and $2 billion for EQT and 2.7 for it. You know, I, I just don't see what the decline gas prices they can match those numbers in 23 versus 22, but, you know, these are these are all pretty darn good companies. My argument with Chesapeake is they zeroed out their common stockholders when they went back up. That should count for something. EQT is the writers. They sold the business to EQT, and then they ran a proxy contest to put themselves in control. Antero, your account started. Uh, one of my colleagues still sits on the Antero Resources Board. Anything, Mike or Jason, anything to add on the gas companies? We've seen a pretty big price discrepancy between the rest of the U.S. and then the West Coast on natural gas pricing. And wondering if you have thoughts on the on the cause there. Uh, elect the new governor. <laughs> you, need, you need some second coming of Ronald Reagan as governor to get California straightened out. I mean, just serve. Uh, gas into California was running $15, where everyone else was in a $3 market. We want you guys, all of us as investors, want you guys to remain in California and San Diego. But, you know, you really <clears throat> you really need the second coming of Ronald Reagan. You need something to straighten out. The, you know, I mean, the thing I can speak to in California is the energy part of California is designed to run up the cost of electricity, of uh, gasoline, of diesel. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that in the 24 election that we get someone other than Joe Biden, which means I think, I mean, someone other than Donald Trump and uh, get Nikki Haley announced that she's going to join as the second announced candidate on February 15th. If we had a different president, someone who didn't have to make room for the progressive wing of the party, which, you know, any anyone in California has to, has to cope with. And you had a Republican Senate 
public and house, I think that gasoline prices would be lower. Natural gas prices, the price to be homes would be lower. The power business would be better off. But I don't know what those things are going to happen. And the point that Mike and Jason are making is that, you know, it, it's kind of a low probability it'll happen on a national election. Real low probability it'll happen in California. But I think that's what's needed to do a complete rework. Really, the right answer on energy is not to prefer wind or solar or nuke or whatnot, is to do all the above. And if you did all the above, everything would be better. The next page is H.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley Goldman's next page. It's interesting. The press releases, I have the press releases. I tried to update this last weekend. The press releases don't really tell you a whole heck of a lot, especially on year-end financials. And having been on a number of public boards, understand what's going on here. They, they want to get the release out on the earnings early because early news is considered to be better than slow news, and, and that's almost always the case. But when these things come out, the CFOs, controllers, members of the audit committee are, are reluctant to put in too much detail because they think that you know, it'll be wrong or off you know, have to be adjusted. So in the earnings press release, there isn't really enough to do much updating of these companies. JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs have more free cash flow in 23 rather than 22. I would guess there's a fair chance each one of them will under the theory that 22 was down significantly from 21. Once again, over to Mike and Jason, any commentary on that my thought was of the three morgan stanley at least from analyst estimates probably has the best expectation for growth this year more of their business is indexed to wealth management which will be more consistent through this year where you know goldman sachs investment banking unit is probably doing less work and the high interest rates probably will reduce some of those debt refinancings so think in that that in that side of the business all of them are going to somewhat suffer so the the higher concentration of of private wealth management is probably beneficial yeah i kind of agree with that the next page page 14 cat deer and generac generac is just kind of screwed up i don't know quite what the problem is there they complain that the problem is their dealer network and i i, I guess i say this so often i shouldn't say it but that 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 impresses me is the line from a grade schooler saying the dog ate my homework caterpillar and deer are going to have a bit of a struggle i don't know deer as well as i know caterpillar I actually own caterpillar stock but there's no question that in a slowdown cat delivers equipment out to the dealers and 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 consequently they have kind of an inventory problem. So the slowdown in sales happens with a lag in cat. Don't know deer as well, but I suspect that's true at deer. Also, the cost of everything, labor, steel, all kinds of gear that goes into the kind of equipment the cat and deer make, is, you know, cost is higher. So I think for them to hold their free cash flow flat would be pretty heroic. Generic is just kind of a special case turns out that Mike and maybe Jason know quite a lot about cars and, and you know, things like 
tractors and bulldozers and whatnot. Any, anything more to add on cattle or deer? I did listen to the earnings call. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before. That kind of confirmed what you had mentioned in previous weeks that they sort of, well, they they have a dealer network, right? So they can kind of stuff their channel, if you will. Now, they, they say the reason for that is is they have very limited availability, still driven by inability to get parts, specifically semi, semiconductors for some of their equipment. So they're seeing reduced demand in, in a lot of things, but they're still seeing strong uh, demand in some areas as well. So they think they're going to grow next year. And I think the analyst es- estimates sort of line up to that 10% or so. So not probably not a huge year, but it will still take sorting out the supply chain issues that they seem to have. Generac is down a lot. I mean, look at the range, 330 to 90. trading at 12 times free cash flow. It, you know, you would think, especially in California, where you've got to worry about blackouts and storms and whatnot, you'd think that Generac would continue to do very well. They really have a lot on generators for home news. But I don't know. I've, just, I've always kind of liked the company, but I, I don't like the management blaming the dealer network. I mean, when you're in a business like that, you know, you should be working hard on your dealer network. But once we see a Generac 10K, we can come back to Generac uh, in a future uh, Wednesday call. Pfizer and Moderna both are going to have way lower revenue. And in terms of how much how much the COVID vaccine and 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 COVID medicine meant to Pfizer, you know, they're, they're, you know, I can't imagine. I mean, their, their free cash will, will be down. I mean, so will Moderna. Lily and Merck are just kind of across the board. Pharmaceutical companies don't really have much of a view there. But no question, Pfizer and, and Moderna will be down. The next page, 16. Oh, just before we leave, page 15. I don't know whether we mentioned this, but one of the things Mike and Jason are going to do is they're going to set up another partnership that's going to be called Top Mark Health. Not to say, I I don't know how they're going to run it, but I assume if they really like a health company, that both the original Top Mark and Top Mark Health may own it. But, you know, more focus on biotech and, and, uh, you know, new ways to, to do healthcare. Any more commentary on that, Jason? Yeah, Mike and I both actually have a, a bit of a background in clinical trial work, and I've, I've worked for and with a number of startups that manage clinical trials and had the opportunity to work with quite a few pharma and med device companies. So it's, it's exciting to be able to use some of that knowledge on a healthcare-specific fund going forward. Now, I'm going to try to hold the uh, number of pages to 20 for a while. But to the extent that we start getting further into healthcare, it might be a 21st page or a 22 page. On uh, page 16, McDonald's, Starbucks, and Chipotle. Chipotle is a very good company, and I mean, just look at look at look at Starbucks with 32 billion of revenue. They're doing 3 billion of free cash flow, and Chipotle with 9 billion of, of revenues. Yeah, you know, one third the size of Starbucks is doing almost as much free cash flow. So 
very impressive, Chipotle. Trading at 20 times free cash flow, 5% yield, maybe not so bad. I mean, all these companies, or at least uh, Starbucks and Chipotle, were able to raise their sales. Chipotle also raised its free cash flow, so a really kind of standout performance. Not too much more I'd add. I know Mike, Mike has spent time on smaller versions of these three fairly large companies, but how do you, how do you, Mike, how do you see this kind of business faring at 23? There should be some sort of level of bounce back in the, especially the value names, I think. And Chipotle, I'd consider what they call it fast casual category. I think Chipotle is actually pretty well positioned. McDonald's will see probably growth. I think that Chipotle is a far more attractive deal when you just based on a 20 times free cash flow and expectations of um, 15 to 20% revenue growth next year, that seems like a far better bet than McDonald's. Starbucks is a big question mark. They've got a lot of work to do and they've got union issues that they're, they're working through. Some of the other businesses that we've looked at tend to have a lot of debt. So in this environment, I wouldn't even mention their names just because they're going to struggle. Well, we get through the 20 pages today, but I think we're going to have to stop with page 17. So we actually will spend at least half of next Wednesday's call, I would say on page 18, which has a copper company, a lithium company, and, a, and an ammonia company, and page 20, which has three companies that are, you know, turn out to have you know, a reasonable case that are, you know, new companies, Uber and DoorDash and Airbnb. And so we'll spend some time on those guys next Wednesday. But in the meantime, page 17, wanted to look at FedEx and the iParcel, frankly, wanted to kind of size them up against Amazon and didn't really have a comparison for Nike that, that made any sense. And and wanted to see what Nike looked like. And then on our retail comparison, Walmart and Target and Lowe's and Home Depot didn't have room for Costco. And of course, Costco is probably should be on that page. In terms of companies doing better at 23 than 22, I don't think that FedEx and UPS had much of a chance to do better. And Nike might. And, and I think Costco is one of these kind of grind, grinded out businesses. So now their, their first three months of this fiscal year, their free cash flow is flat. But I think that Costco's got a formula. And if, if, if you were going to own two retail stocks, I think, I think you'd have to look seriously at Costco. FedEx in the United States. Parcel, you know, wait and see what Mike and Jason say because this is not something Mike and I have talked about. Seems to me that they're kind of vulnerable to Amazon logistics business. You know, we're disappointed in Amazon for having high capex and not much free cash flow, and and but sure we've all noticed in our neighborhoods now you're as likely to see an Amazon Prime truck as you are a UPS or FedEx truck. So. Jason, why don't we go to you first? I mean, there has to be a kind of a competitive situation going on here for FedEx and 
and UPS with Amazon outdoing it themselves. Absolutely. We talk about Amazon's CapEx budget and they've really laddered up their logistics part of the business. It's not really well known, but they've built a airport hub in outside of Cincinnati. They've purchased 97 jumbo jet aircraft to deliver packages all over the country. And, and they have tens of thousands of delivery trucks, semis, moving packages. And it's really, they've, they've, they're a bigger company than FedEx. And I think they're almost as large as UPS now. Now, Mike, anything to add? Well, the analysis that I've been doing on them, and I listened to the UPS earnings call the other day, is around cost to deliver a package. And my impression, and I didn't finish the analysis, but my early impression is that Amazon's cost to deliver a package is coming down pretty significantly. Now, UPS does bigger packages in general, so they're not exactly apples and apples. But like Jason said, Amazon is going to encroach on their business because they are now offering fulfillment as a service. This is an anti Jassy play, right? Jassy came out of AWS, and they're going to run fulfillment just like they did with AWS. And, I mean, this is an area that's been draining cash out of the business in the last few years. And I, I, my suspicion is, is it could end up being a pretty major driver of profits in the future. Right. Good. With that, everyone be well and stay healthy, and we'll be on next Wednesday. I think we'll finish up it's 18, 19, 20. And we're going to circle back a number of these companies, Amazon, Apple, Tesla, they've all reported. So we'll, we'll circle back on the front part of the 20 page memo next Wednesday. Take care, everyone. Be well. Thank you for joining us this week. Please tune in again next week as we will be back on Wednesday. As a reminder, Nothing on this podcast should be considered investment advice. You should always do your own work to determine if an investment is suitable for you. The views expressed on this podcast are the hosts alone and do not constitute an offer to sell or a recommendation to purchase or a solicitation of an offer to buy, any security nor a recommendation for any investment product or service. While certain information contained herein has been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, neither the hosts nor any of their employers or their affiliates have independently verified this information, and its accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Accordingly, no representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made as to and no reliance should be placed on the fairness, accuracy, timeliness, or completeness of this information. The hosts and all employers and their affiliated persons assume no liability for this information and no obligation to update the information or analysis contained herein in the future and may or may not hold positions in the securities mentioned. Thank you.